0: the 2 for 1 drafts. This is our Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast here at PFF. I'm here with Mike Renner, Austin Gale. We got a ton of stuff packed for you today. Before we are live on YouTube every Tuesday and Thursday, you can also check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Let's get into the schedule. Loaded one. We're mm-hmm. going to start with our top 10 mock draft, a little back and forth action cuz well I'll-
1: some teams are out of it. We'll, exactly. just say, we'll just like we'll just say it as <laughs> is. Some teams are know they're going to be drafted. It's the top mock ten. draft season yeah. for
0: a lot of teams right now. Miami Dolphins, Cincinnati Bengals, Washington, Washington Redskins. Redskins. Uh, so we're getting our mock draft flow back and forth, and we'll raise a glass to some of our top prospect performances of the weekend. We'll also pour some out for the you know kind of some of the. Bad prospect performances mm-hmm. of the weekend. We also do our Rolling Rooks segment, a little play on Rolling Rocks, where we talk about our top rookie performances. We'll have a Beer Belly segment in there. There's going to be a draft special and some blackout performances. Those are our bad rookie performances. A lot of good stuff out there.
1: And the Cap chug. it off with a chug.
0: Oh, We're going to cap it off with a chug. We're going to chug a prospect. That's where we go all in. This is on, a special one. This is a fun this one. This is a good one. This yeah. is definitely a good one. We're going to chug a prospect, go all in on him, and uh, really uh, you know, kind of talk his profile all the way through. Let's get right into this mock draft. Mm-hmm. It's going to be 1 through 10. This is based on order, you know, projected odds or projected finishes for these teams. It's not like we think the Bengals are bad. Oh, no, wait. No, we probably do think yeah. the Bengals are bad, but starting at number one, the Cincinnati Bengals picking first overall. The Andy Dalton era is ending. Going into next year, he has, I think, over $14 million on the books, but they can cut him with zero dead money, I'm sure, or, or kind of seek out trade partners because they're going to go with Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. He's been lights out to start. He's the number one quarterback on our board, and it only makes sense for kind of Cincinnati to go in this direction, go get a franchise QB.
1: Yeah, I mean if the Ravens can get something for Joe Flacco, I think the Bengals will still be able to get some trade value for Andy Dalton. And yeah, it's one of those things where it's not you, Andy Dalton, it's the Bengals. Uh, He was fine. When you had a lot of the pieces around him, they don't have those pieces. It's not going to happen anytime soon. It's not really going to happen overnight. So if you do have the number one overall pick, you get a chance to attack Vailoa. Uh, we feel comfortable about him being, you know, worth the number one pick at this point, a franchise type of quarterback. Just hit that reset button and go to QB. And
0: I think, and it, you know, I want to stay on the Cincinnati Bengals a little bit longer. Hit that reset button. Move on from some of these guys. I think there's opportunities to move on from maybe a William Jackson, A.J. Green. Get some extra draft capital to mm-hmm. you know help this rebuild. Because, like you said, it's not going to happen overnight and by the time the Bengals are good and have a good supporting cast Andy Dalton's going to be even worse than he is now, which is not someone you want to be starting. So I think resetting this franchise with a new franchise quarterback or at least seek out a franchise quarterback into a tag of Iloa. and I think there's also some pieces right now AJ Green, William Jackson that they could maybe try and offload to help this rebuild out really go from the ground up.
1: William Jackson to me is one where it's kind of a cornerstone, kind of like the Miami Dolphins did you Keep a guy like that okay. through a rebuild. You're not going to find corners like him. Yes, he's having a down year. Yes, it's been you know a rough go of it for him this season. I'm more willing to part ways with thirty year old wide thirty plus year old wide receiver and AJ Green. Maybe a Drake Kirkpatrick on the other side. Not that he has a ton oh, of yeah. trade value, but you know, really reset on <laughs> some of those guys like that older players. If you have a young talent in the pipe like him, like a Carl Lawson, mm-hmm. I-, I think you hold on to those guys and you can a rebuild in the NFL doesn't have to be a three four year It doesn't have to look like the Browns it can be a one to two year process and at that point you still want a guy like William Jackson your roster
0: definitely let's go to number two you were over the Washington Redskins here who'd you have for them
1: I had Chase Young I think he's just a no-brainer I don't care who you have at the edge position yes I know they just drafted Montez Sweat there Uh, yes I know they have Ryan Kerrigan on the other side but he's getting up there in ages and having the best season for the Redskins this year so Chase Young can't miss as it gets in this draft class. Uh, Yes, you could use wide receiver help. Yes, Jerry Judy would make sense there as well. But I think Chase Young is a very clean projection to the next level as dominant a player as we've seen in college football in terms of his pass rushing grade, his pass rushing win rate. Uh, a lot to like from him. So that one at number two, it's, it's almost like when the Browns drafted miles Garrett. it's just too much of a no brainer. Don't overthink him.
0: He's the best non quarterback in this class. And I think, I don't care who you've drafted in the past two or three years, who you have on your roster. When you have an opportunity to get a guy like chase young, who has all the tools and the production to boot. It's a no brainer. And he plays a position that is very valuable in today's NFL. He can get after the passer, plays edge defender. I think chase young makes a ton of sense there. Miami dolphins coming at number three. They're also going for a quarterback, Josh Rosen, They trade for him, trying him out. I don't think it's going to work out for them. Try and go get a guy that can change the landscape of this franchise. I think they go get Joe Burrow of LSU, a rocket on PFF's draft board. He is making all the NFL throws right now. He's one of the highest-graded college quarterbacks on throws of 10-plus air yards. That's what we look for. Mm -hmm. Can you push downfield? fit it into tight windows, and get those big-time throws while also limiting turnover-worthy plays. He's not a turnover machine. He makes good decisions with the football. I think he still has some things to prove if he is going to fall at number 3 come April, but I think he's on that trajectory, and he has some good games coming up. Mm -hmm. He's going to take on Alabama. He's going to take on LSU. There's going to be opportunities to see Joe Burrow against great defenses and on big stages. If he proves it then continues with this accuracy i could see him going top five number three to dolphins yeah we'll
1: talk about it later on the later the week podcast about his matchup this weekend against florida how big that's going to be for him but yeah the more and more i look at these guys you just have to have burrow over herbert at this point herbert has the arm talent has you know uh that sort of stuff going for him the size going for him but at the same time i think every single one of burrow's games this year has been more impressive from an nfl draft perspective than even Herbert's best game. And again, Herbert comes up small against the defense in Cal's past week. You can see if you're watching on the YouTube channel, the top 10 ticker here, we didn't select Justin Herbert in the top 10. I just don't think he is worthy of a top 10 pick at this point in time with what I've seen from him. I don't want to be the team that drafts him.
0: I would agree 100%. Now let's go to number four. This is where the New York Jets are picking. They're going out and getting the best cornerback in this
1: class. Mm-hmm. Yes, I went cornerback for them because I feel very good about Jeffrey Okuda and his pre- Projection to the next level it's obviously been a point of contention for the Jets for some time now Tremaine Johnson we criticized that signing at the time they had some big buyer's remorse after his first year there in New York they just don't have the pieces on the outside to be able to play man coverage Jeffrey Okuda, I think man coverage to me is the ultimate sort of leveling playing levels of playing field in the NFL today, you look at the Patriots play more man coverage than anyone. Oh, and they also have the best defense in the NFL. The Lions, their big improvement this year, has come from playing a lot of man coverage. I think that getting guys who can play man coverage is how you shut down the Patrick Mahomeses of the world, how you shut down these high flying offenses. That is Jeffrey Okuda to a T so that's why I think the Jets go there instead of a guy like Jerry Judy.
0: And strong man coverage starts with getting a talent that can you know, be sticky with all these receivers. You look mm-hmm. at New England Patriots Stephon Gilmore, PFF's highest graded cornerback from a year ago. You go to the New Orleans Saints even who have a very much improved defense. Marshawn Lattimore locking some guys up and you go to Detroit. Justin Coleman one of mm-hmm. PFF's highest graded uh, cornerbacks playing in the slot. Looking at Akuda so far an 85.5 coverage grade, six one, 199 pounds very athletic. I, I, mm-hmm. I, there's just so much to like about this guy. Similar to Chase young and that he has a lot of the tools you want but he's also got some great production this year while getting tested he's been targeted 27 times only 16 receptions allowed 161 yards and one touchdown he's been fantastic let's move forward in this one for number five or yep going to number five the Miami Dolphins are back on the board yeah (laughs) with that trade they're going to go after and get Joe Burrow, a receiver, a very good one, staying in the SEC, wide receiver Jerry Judy. I love this guy. I think he's an elite receiver, the top receiver in this class, and I think it's a perfect pairing with Joe Burrow to kind of get him started in Miami.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Miami Dolphins wide receiver core, you know, after dealing away, Kenny Stills pretty cheeks. It's not a very good wide receiver yeah. core. This is a bad wide <laughs> receiver core at this point. Obviously, you pair Burrow with a guy like Judy. They could also go offensive line here, but I think actually the bigger story to me with this pick is that the Pittsburgh Steelers look like they're gonna be drafting in the top five. They look like what they gave up True. then that Mink to get Minka Fitzpatrick is going to be a top five pick in this class. And I'm the way this class is shaping up, there's probably going to be 12 or so guys that I'd rather have than make a Fitzpatrick at this point in time so if you're not drafting in the top you know unless you're drafting True, outside the top point. 12 I think that's going to be some buyer's remorse for the Steelers on their end
0: counterpoint Devlin Hodges is going to write the ship in Pittsburgh no it's going to be bad I think you you will likely see them picking in the top 10 if not the top five yeah. I think this is going to be a huge opportunity for Miami to go all in on this rebuild I think it's an opportunity to Get a quarterback, get the guy you like. You're probably not gonna have an opportunity at two attack of Iloa unless you're picking up picking at number one. And then with that second pick, go get him some tools. I think Jerry Judy makes a ton of sense. Can you imagine a little Miami, two Attack of Iloa and Jerry Judy get that firing going in South Beach? I'd be pretty ecstatic. Who do you have for the Atlanta Falcons at number 6? Atlanta
1: Falcons I'm adding to this defense and it kind of goes with their MO in terms of just adding athletes and then finding a way to utilize them. I'm giving them Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker from Clemson to pair with Deion Jones and you can just shut down the middle of the field with a combination like that Tampa 2 is making a comeback in the NFL we're Mm -hmm. seeing more Tampa 2 this year than we have in years past from a lot of different teams. I think that could be the Atlanta Falcons with the new whoever becomes their defensive coordinator because it doesn't look like it might be. uh, Dan Quinn (laughs) there for much longer. I'll just say it, but I do think that uh, Isaiah Simmons and Deion Jones, if you have those two guys, two athletes at that caliber, at the linebacker position, you can do a lot of different things with them. He is Again, in terms of that just do-it-all coverage player plays some safety for Clemson uh, and also can play, you can man up on tight ends, can be your sort of tight end eraser, uh, I think it's very much worthy of a top-ten pick at this point.
0: What's really unfortunate is if the Falcons are picking at this number six spot, I don't know if there's going to be an edge defender that they can add at six that yes, makes a ton of sense for value. Because I think but, I immediately jump to they need more than just Grady Jarrett down low. I think they need someone that's rushing the passer that can have more success than Vic Beasley and Tack McKinley. That's something they've thrown draft capital at, but have yet to really strengthen strike gold, and I think Isaiah Simmons makes sense from a value standpoint at number Mm 6, but you have to hope they're in a position to also add some edge talent at some point in the offseason, because this pass rush needs help. Grady Jarrett cannot do it by himself. We're going to go number 7, the Denver Broncos. They're going to go get Drew Locke, CeeDee Lamb of Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. and I think CeeDee Lamb, like Jerry Judy, is an elite receiving talent, a good separator, with also great size. I really do love his size. He hasn't had a ton of opportunities so far this year to get those wide receiver wins. I'd like to see more of those on tape. He's running wild, you know, Free mm-hmm. on on broken coverage and things like that, but C. D. Lamb, I think you trust his abilities to where if he was put in more one on one situations in the NFL press and all that stuff, I think he does win a ton and produces at an elite level in the NFL.
1: Yeah, the weird thing about this Denver Broncos roster at this point, they don't have like a ton of needs. They're just kind of like below average at a yeah. lot of different positions, and obviously quarterback being the main one mm-hmm. that they could use to improve. I'd be hard pressed to become real draft. This is the real scenario how it falls. John Elway's probably not passing on Justin Herbert. Let's okay. just be honest. Here. The, what, totally what, he's, what he's been all about in the draft, size, size, Arm talent. That's Justin Herbert. Like if he, if the Broncos are on the clock and Justin Herbert's there, I'd give that a ninety nine point nine percent chance mm-hmm. that Justin Herbert's a Denver Bronco. Justin
0: Herbert is one of those quarterbacks, though, that I think if the New York Jets are sitting there at number four, that someone goes up and goes and tries to snag because I Possible. feel like you're going to see. I think that that's a quarterback that a lot of you know traditional GMs will covet for the size and mm-hmm. all that stuff. The arm talent, I think, it's going to be a similar draft in that you are trading up for quarterbacks if you're not number one overall. And I think I could see Denver being a candidate to go get yeah. one if they don't feel confident in Drew Lock.
1: Yeah, we're not going to be assholes and project trades in this yeah fair totally fair that would
0: be just absurd yeah (laughs) i actually have the oakland raiders projected to trade up they're trading (laughs) (laughs) let's go to number eight arizona cardinals you know trying to work this rebuild i think Mm -hmm. you got a great pick here who are you taking
1: i went with tristan wirf's the tackle slash maybe guard out of Iowa. He's the number one tackle on our board, although it is close between him and Andrew Thomas at this point. Uh, I love both of their physicalities. They both look like sure things in the run game. Still a little bit of a work in progress, but I love the upward trajectory of both of them in terms of pass protection over the course of their careers that I've seen. They've made the necessary improvements every single year that make you think they'll figure it out down the line at some point in the NFL. Uh, but, yeah, you got to protect Kyle Murray just a little bit more. Uh, I think they can go a number of different ways with that pick, but I think the value there at OT... A little too much.
0: I mean, they need help along the offensive line and they
1: it's not a you know, not a
0: place where Arizona has really invested a ton of draft capital into. No, it's yeah. time to kind of put a top 10 pick on that offensive line and maybe even add some more pieces in free agency over the offseason. I think that pick makes sense. Jacksonville Jaguars picking at number 9. I really like this one. Safety Grant Delpit of yeah. LSU going to Jacksonville to even you know, improve that secondary whether they Jalen Ramsey stays or goes. This is a huge get for Jacksonville in my opinion, improving that defense on the back end. I like their pass rush. Josh Allen, Yannick and Gakwe, Calais Campbell, let's get better in the secondary. I think Grant Delpit is one of those, you know, one of those safeties that has great range, great ball skills. Yes, he misses tackles. Mm-hmm. I know that. He misses a ton of tackles, but I really do like where he's at right now from a ball you know range perspective and ball skills perspective I think if he goes to Jacksonville with that pass rush he can make a ton of plays
1: and he's yeah, this thing he's a playmaker he is a guy who is going to make plays that no other you know that you can count the number of safeties even like in the NFL would make on one hand he yeah. is just that sort of uh, you know playmaker on the back end uh, he is you know 6'3" has length can break up passes uh, from any position on the football field I just think adding an influx of talent, you know, Kings, State, Kings, keep that secondary. Don't You don't want to trade away Jalen Rand. Like, you really you don't. want you really to don't. keep him there unless you get a Kings ransom, uh, like the Miami Dolphins did for Laramie Tunsil. You want that defense to be as dominant as it has been uh, in recent years. Adding Grant Delpa to that would be a scary addition. Uh, I think the Jaguars might not be drafting top 10 once all said and done, though. I think yeah. Gardner Mitchell, you yeah. believe you believe in Gardner I'm starting to believe, but totally, not,
0: totally. Uh, number 10, I think these guys could be drafting top 10, New York giants going at number 10. Who do you have for him?
1: I went Andrew Thomas from Georgia. Uh, like I said, he is very close to Tristan worse on our board. Uh, they still could use help there at right tackle. And, it's kind of been the Giants, they want to establish the run. They want to give Saquon Barkley the most favorable. They want to justify drafting him second overall. Uh, and again, I, I don't hate on getting yourself a dominant offensive line. I think that's where if I'm going to build and I, if I am going to be a running team, I'm going to build along that offensive line. So I don't hate if you do have a top 10 pick someone like Andrew Thomas, all of a sudden you get a solid front there cross front five. And I don't think Nate Solder also will be there too much longer with his bloated, bloated contract and how he's performed. So Uh, Just add talent to a value position there.
0: That's going to do it for our top 10 mock draft. Very early mock draft, Mm -hmm. mid-season of the college football season. But I think you're going to hear a lot of those names get called that early, regardless of who those teams that are picking at top 10. Let's go to our next segment here. We're going to raise a glass to some of our top prospect performances from the weekend. Um, We're going to start with the Wisconsin center that has played, did not have a great start to this season, but Mm -hmm. really is coming off a big game. Talk to me about that.
1: Yeah, Tyler Biotish. You expect, this is what we expected, sort of like every game that he was going up against, you know, early in the season when he went up against USF, against Central Michigan, this past week against Kent State, 90.9 overall, great. That's like, that's checking that box that you want to see. You want to see that sort of not just, you shouldn't lose against inferior talents like that, because again, it only gets harder once you get to the NFL. So he has dropped down our board a little bit this year because we didn't see him sort of take that next step. But string together a few more performances like this. Hold up in the Big Ten, uh, I, I, he, I think he's, we're still going to have him as a first-round type of interior offensive lineman.
0: And you look at Biotis, in 2017, an 82.3 overall grade. 2018, he built on that, 86.7, but stumbled out of the gate. Through his first five games, he earned sub- 70.0 overall grades, and then comes into this one, Kent State, 90.9. And if you look at what he's done in pass protection specifically, it hasn't been all that bad. He's only allowed one pressure on the year. The problem has been kind of his run blocking. That's where his overall overall grade has been dragged down. Good to see him bounce back with an eighty. 85.4 run blocking grade against Kent State. Moving forward to other guys we are raising a glass for
1: mm-hmm.
0: SMU small school kid James Prochet is it Prochet approach I like Prochet I think it's
1: Prochet but dang it
0: <sighs> gosh I like Prochet it sounds cooler but yeah James Prochet he's had a very good start to the season even mm-hmm. before this game but again lights out I think he had that game-winning inter- uh, not interception game-winning reception in the end zone he's been outstanding to start but this is kind of like a big exclamation point for him
1: yeah had 1199 yards 12 touchdowns last year so it was obviously on our radar coming into the year undersized 511 190 but a little bit of a sub- route runner. I think he has a career. Uh, he's not going to be super exciting, not, doesn't have great speed, uh, not going to do anything that really wows you, but I think this guy has a career as a slot receiver in the NFL and will be a starter for some time because he attacks the football over the middle of the field. He comes back to the football. He's not going to you know, give you picks like you see Antonio Callaway doing uh, with Baker Mayfield, it seems like, weekly uh, in that Browns offense. He is a guy who is not going to hang your quarterback out to dry, and he is going to attack the ball and take hits over the middle of the football field. A reliable, reliable slot receiver and. My favorite stat is his hands only six drops on 242 catchable opportunities over the course of his career. Those are absurd, absurd numbers for him. So another big one this past week. 11 catches, 153, and two tutties, so I'm a fan of his. And it, it's not all slot work in that SMU offense. He wins some on the outside. Oh, yeah. But I think, his, I think his ultimate where he'll win in the NFL and where his value is is in the slot.
0: Zero drops so far this year, too. And mm-hmm. five forced missed tackles after the catch. He's had, again, an electric start to, you know, to the beginning of this, and I think he does have a role in the NFL playing in the slot. Um, next guy we're going for, Jawan Jennings of Tennessee. Um, he was a guy that landed on your article, your scouting notes article. He had a standout performance as well.
1: Yeah, a guy who I truthfully had not even been on my radar whatsoever heading into this season uh i mean statistically uh, it's not surprising he only had 498 yards back in 2018 580 yards back in 2016 had a injury had a wrist injury in 2017 that kept him out for that year so he's a redshirt senior but at this point he's 6'3 208 and the dude is a legit weapon after the catch you rarely see guys at that size being able to shake off defenders the way he does. 12 broken tackles on 26 catches already this season. Five this past week against a pretty darn good tackling Georgia defense that he went up against. So he's making his way onto radars pretty quickly, has 33 broken tackles uh, over the course of his career now on 113 catches. Uh, that's legit. Just, yeah, that's legit. And he's been a Tennessee's quarterback situation obviously not – Hasn't been doing him any favors there over the course of his career. So uh, this is a guy I definitely need to watch more, but I love what I saw from him, from this Georgia performance. Uh, he will be one to watch, a name to watch going forward.
0: Twelve Fortress tackles on 26 receptions it's this year. It's that's, crazy. A, that's absurd. And this is a guy kind of has a good athletic profile, former four-star recruit, former Mr. Tennessee. He's a Tennessee mm-hmm. uh, Tennessee hometown guy. When, so- you, when you
1: say Mr. Tennessee, it sounds like he like won, uh, you know, like a Miss No, that's America what I'm referencing. No. <laughs> yeah.
0: But he was a great high school football player for Tennessee, former four-star. Let's go ahead and dive into Surprise Beer Belly segment. Mm. This is a top performance someone will raise a glass to, but it's also a beer belly segment where we kind of highlight a fat guy that's playing pretty well. Talk about a guy you've really liked. We've talked about him multiple times yes. on this podcast, but he got a touchdown. Yes. This week. Samuel Cosme of Texas, he has right? been outstanding from a pass blocking perspective, run blocking. Now he's getting it done as receiver.
1: He had an eighty-nine point four receiving grade this fire. past week. <laughs> fire. That is fire. But oh my like when he caught the ball on that pass and started running, you look at the tight end. Oh, oh my god, I, mean, I was
0: gonna say the same thing.
1: It goes back to a lot of what I've said a ton here about offensive line or offensive tackle scouting specifically. There just aren't enough guys that are that big and can also move. Samuel Cosme. Obviously is one of them. If he shed 40 pounds, he could be a legit tight end prospect with the way he ran after the catch on that one. But again, he goes up against West Virginia this past week. Doesn't allow uh, a single pressure in that game. Uh, He's moving. Every time I see him, I want to push him higher up the board because I just think he has uh, the athletic profile and the skills and already the production now uh, to be a top-tier left tackle in the NFL Uh, so I'm not sure if he's going to declare. Only redshirt sophomore could obviously come back for two more years if he really wanted to, but Mm -hmm. I think he's already ready at this point to make the leap to the NFL.
0: And and what stands out for me so far this year is zero drops. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no but yeah 89 um he's had an 85 I mean, he's, not, he's no trey walker exactly right. but okay so you talk about him how, how when he caught that football he looked athletic go back to marshall newhouse when he had that ball and got flipped on it's just a totally different ball game when you exactly. see a big six foot seven 300 pound yes. kid that can actually like catch the ball and have some form of acceleration mm-hmm. and look like he, a little bit natural with the ball in his like game. as
1: dumb as it sounds to say it improved my opinion of his yes, like potential in my yeah, mind it yeah. did
0: I shot him a DM. But uh, <laughs> 85.1 overall grade for Cosme so the far king this of the year. DM slide. <laughs> 78.9 pass blocking grade. I think Cosme, I, the, the receiving is great, but I think what he's done so far this year at Tackle for Texas, yeah. and he's got a big matchup coming up. We'll probably be talking about him uh, on the Thursday podcast where we review some of the big prospect matchups. Let's keep going in that Raise a Glass segment. Derek Brown. This is a guy that we uh, you specifically called out on Where's Twitter it? because you didn't love Derek Brown as much as everybody else. This game... He I mean, sh- I
1: didn't, like, at him and, like, yeah. hey, no, buddy, no, no, step your shit exactly, up. Exactly, exactly. You didn't at him.
0: <laughs> but this is a game where he kind of bounced back and showed some of that pass rushing prowess that we needed to see yeah. from him to kind of get back on his bandwagon.
1: Well, I just think he has, with his sort of strength advantage, he is an ox. Like, the dude is so much stronger than every single offensive lineman he's going up against. Why doesn't he dominate like this every single game? It's kind of like my biggest question mark with him. He kind of runs hot and cold. Uh, he, you know, he had a game... That first week against Oregon, only one pressure the entire game. Now it's good Oregon offensive line, but you know that's the offensive lines you want to see him still doing it against. So this past week goes up against Florida. Florida, one of the worst offensive lines in the SEC. They are bad, but he dominated them. Ninety two point eight pass rushing grade, six pressures on the day. That's good. It, but the the thing that still worries me is he has those games. He alternates those with up and down. Let me see that sustained. Let me mm-hmm. get those consistent pass rush grades in the eighties mm-hmm. because I, I just worry about any three hundred twenty pounder being able to consistently affect the pass. If you can't do that, you're not gonna be a top you're not a top ten pick. You know, we had left him out of the top ten of our mock when pretty much everyone else in America is saying, you know, even in the game, watching against Florida, they were calling him a top five player wow. in the class. It's just I don't think he quite is at this point. I, if you're, I feel similarly t- with him, although albeit better than I felt about like Christian Wilkins last year, where it's just like, yeah, he'll probably be, good, he'll definitely be good against the run, but pass game, who who knows? And Christian Wilkins hasn't hit the ground running yet.
0: Totally, and I think with Derek Brown too, he took a step in the right direction to being maybe a top 10 player in the NFL draft. But he he needs to show that consistency as a pass rusher. You spoke to it. He needs 80-plus pass rushing grades more often than just one game, and not against a bad offensive line. Um, Going forward, this one's going to be quick. Raising a glass very quickly to Chase Young. He continues to be outstanding. I'm just going to walk you through these pass rush grades of the last three weeks. 96.2 against Miami, Ohio. 96.8 against Nebraska. 92.9 against Michigan State. I looked at his key plays, and PFF grades every player from a scale of negative 2 to positive. To you're going to see a lot of point fives. He had 12 positively graded plays, positively graded pass rush snaps, seven 1.0s, and five 1.5s. He was just demolishing That's Michigan a, State offensive lineman. Yeah. And this is a guy that, like we said at the top of the podcast, why he's going number two overall. He's the second, or he's the best non quarterback in this class and mm-hmm. well worth a top pick in the draft.
1: Yeah, and it's almost the, the safety aspect of. Uh, You get along the offensive line, you have the most one-on-one interactions compared to a position like wide receiver or a position like safety, cornerback. It's just you feel the most comfortable about it because you've seen a guy beat another human being repeatedly and with that with very good speed yeah obviously no but that that is something that translates that you feel better about projecting it is an easier position to project when you see a guy doing it at that high a level in my opinion so i do think that that's why uh, he is the number two player on our board at the moment and yeah what he's doing right now is, is something we've never seen
0: This is one of my favorites to raise glass to because it was a big stage for him. He was going against a top quarterback in Justin Herbert, Ashton Davis of Cal. He's a guy that we raved about in previous podcasts because he's this former high hurdler. He has all this athleticism and speed. He really showed out in this one an 88.1 coverage grade. had an outstanding break on the ball. I I really do like Ashton Davis. He showed up.
1: Yeah, he he showed the full skill set. That's why we love him, why uh, we have him as a first-round type of safety at this point. Uh, Playing from the slot, off-coverage. Dig route, he breaks underneath it, picks it off on Justin Herbert. Playing from middle field safety, seam route, breaks on it before the ball is even thrown, Hits the you know plays the receiver and the ball, breaks it up over the seam there on him. So that is the two things you basically want to see from a modern safety. Can you guard the slot? check mark yes obviously uh, not um, obviously it's one play but we've seen it again and again that's been him through the course of his career can you guard slot yes can you make plays from the middle field can you shut down the seams yes again ashton davis uh he's he's catching up with grant Delpin on our board now he's not now he's not still not quite the playmaker still not the as versatile do it all Uh, i still have questions about him in run defense i don't think i'm playing him in the box anytime soon but in coverage he's pretty damn good
0: so we gotta bring up uh now we're going to our next segment here where we pour some out pour one for out. um some of the bad prospect performances from There were weekend. a lot of drops. Yes, a ton this of week. drops. A ton of drops. And we gotta start with your guy. No. Jared Pickney of Vanderbilt. He earns a Forty-two point five overall grade, two drops against Ole Miss, and we went into this. You know, we went into this game. Jerry Pinkney has not had a good start. Only one hundred and twenty yards receiving in the and Vandy's first four games has not looked apart. Bad production, but hey, he doesn't have a drop on the year. We'll take that. He goes into this game, drops two balls, and just you can just hear his draft stock just fla- falling down. I, yeah. He needs to play better. He she needs had, to play better.
1: Yeah, he had one catch on six targets for seven yards. It's... Two almost catches. That, that makes a more positive <laughs> spin on the drops. I feel. So like, dude, one yeah, missed
0: tackle on eleven receptions. I-, I need more from this guy. He
1: should have just come out last year. It's been bad. Like, I'm not <laughs> going to sugarcoat it. It's been bad, but I'll trust that the the. Being able to get open part is the more important Mm -hmm. thing. I still think that he can. And Vandy's quarterback's bad. The
0: offense isn't great. I I think there are excuses we can make. But no, I mean, you you definitely
1: worry. Yeah, you definitely worry about how unproductive he has been so far this season. If it doesn't turn around, yes, he will be falling down our board.
0: So we, we're going to pour one out for Jordan Love, but let's hold off. We're going to talk about a draft special where we really talk about Joe Burrow and Jordan Love together, talk about that mm-hmm. matchup and how that went. So let's go ahead and skip that. Talk to a couple other guys that have dropped a ton of balls this weekend. Aaron Fuller five drops for Washington, and Tyler Johnson three. Let's start with Aaron Fuller. This is a guy that's had those spectacular catches. I've cut a few cut ups of that. He's got mm-hmm. great, spectacular catch ability. But when you drop five balls in a game, that's unheard of. Like that, you know, the next closest guy was Tyler Johnson with three.
1: Yeah, and they were a problem for. Him last year, he had seven uh, on sixty six catchable last year. Oh, so he's year. just so trying to catch up. Anything over ten percent drop rate is bad. Like mm-hmm. that's that's going to put you in the lower, probably third or so of NFL wide receivers if you're over ten percent. And to be consistently over ten percent, if you're over that every year, in which you know he's over that, obviously again this year with those five drops this past week. That's when you're in worry about his hands territory because you can't. You're just going to lose trust of your quarterback. Uh, You're not going to be seeing a lot of playing time if you're just having the ball clang off your hands in practice every day.
0: Let's skip over Tyler Johnson. He's the guy that has proven with his route running ability he can create separation at the short, intermediate, and deep levels of the field. He's fantastic in that regard. But what was a problem for him last year yep. continues to be kind of a problem this year. He's dro- He had drop problems a year ago, and he had three drops this weekend. Uh, one we're pouring out for I was going
1: to say, he's in the exact same boat as Fuller, and one who I honestly think came back just because, came back, could have declared last year as a junior, came back purely because he wanted to say you know basically prove that he doesn't have drop issues but you know like i said three more drops this past week now has four drops on 33 catchable this season uh first career 22 on 178 catchable that's a high rate every single year of his career outside of you know over the last so the last two years has dropped over 10 percent of his catchable uh passes and is up over that once again Again, he's in the territory of it's bad, and you might not be seeing the football field when it's that bad.
0: What's crazy is I, I did interview him before the season over the phone and talked to him about what you want to prove this year, what do you want to get done. He said I gotta be, I gotta catch the football, and yeah. he said that was the biggest thing. I need to catch football. I can't have these drops. I've been working all off season with my guys to get better, be more sure handed, and it sucks to see those still continue. One
1: of those three was kind of in a tight window, and he's reaching out, and it was not necessarily not the next excuse, mm-hmm. but is more to say that the fact that two of those three. Were just he was wide open. The ball was in his chest, and he just coughed it up. So those are the ones where it's just uh, if they consistently happen over you know three years of sample size. Now, if that's just your M O, sometimes that's just going to be who you are. And that he might be. You know, Amari Cooper has serious drop issues as well, and is still a number one receiver, but. A lot of guys have had drop issues that have taken them out of the league. If they're that bad,
0: it's definitely something hard to overcome when you're not an elite separator like Mark exactly. Cooper. You know, yeah. if you get to a point where you're not the best, one of the best route runners in the NFL, and you're dropping passes, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to find the field and, and produce. Let's go to Arizona cornerback Jace Whitaker. He's a guy that we highlighted on the Thursday podcast as a big matchup against Colorado. He goes into this one allows over 100 yards receiving, a 49 yarder, and a touchdown. He earned his lowest coverage grade of the year, a 46.2, and he entered the game with a high one. This is. Not a good look for a senior, 5'11, 185 pounds. You'd like to see better from Whitaker. He's a guy that was maybe rising a little bit, Mm -hmm. but this one, this is definitely, he got hit in the nose on this one. Not great.
1: Well, and also missed tackles. I had Mm -hmm. a couple missed tackles in this one. That's something that we wanted to see him not have after he had double-digit missed tackles his last year as a starter uh back in 2017 obviously missed a lot 2018 with an injury so uh wanted to see him cut down on the missed tackles had two more uh I I liked him Mm -hmm. as a slot cornerback or I still like him as a possible slot cornerback in the NFL but this was a tough one took it on the chin Uh, it's one of those back to the drawing board you can't have too many of those and still expect to be drafted highly
0: Going to Iowa. This is kind of his first game back from injury. Mm. He played 77 snaps. A little bit confused, but yeah. yeah. Alaric like. Jackson. He earned a 66.5 overall grade in this one. Not terrible, but what you wanted to see him come back and be dominant like we thought he could be.
1: And Michigan's one of my favorite defensive lines just schematically to watch offensive linemen play against because they will allow a lot of freedom from their defensive ends to attack. Uh, you're not just holding gaps and know where a guy's going. They That's stunt a lot, so many slant moves. a lot, so many inside moves, that sort of thing. Guys have freedom, and so uh, you, you're, it's a tough test if you're an offensive lineman. And I just think lyric Jackson, his foot speed, is the biggest issue for him. And it got exposed in this one on a handful of inside moves on a stunt as well, where he just couldn't get back out to pick it up. Uh, Injury obviously a factor there, uh, maybe a little bit of a caveat, but I do think that that's it was more than just the injury. I think he is just a limited, uh, is it a limited athlete at the tackle position? You could see him. The difference between him and Tristan Wirfs in terms of how they handled that Michigan front was a big difference.
0: Four pressures allowed in that one. Definitely got beat on some um, some inside moves. Mm-hmm. Let's move on from our pull one out segment. We're going to go draft special where we talk a big matchup from the weekend. Yes. We talked about this a little bit. On another you know, um YouTube videos for PFF, and in this one Joe Burrow going against Jordan Love. We went into this one. We talked about it on Thursday. Joe Burrow needs to dominate. It's a bad Utah State defense. He cannot you know fall against bad competition. Love, this is your one chance. A huge game circled on every scout's calendar to hmm. prove that you can compete with NFL talent, top Power Five talent, and we didn't see something anything great from Jordan Love. And but Joe Burrow continued to kind of roll on. I'll
1: say Burrow check the box. Business as usual. Fifth straight fifth straight game with an eighty plus overall grade. That's Crazy consistency at this point, um, but yeah, Jordan Love. We did a whole video on it, breaking down uh, just exactly how bad it was. If you want to go check it out on the PFF YouTube channel, but it, he just it, and it was the aspect of I think he started pressing too hard to make plays, got late Some to a few throws, decisions and just that bad decision. And that's what you wanted him to cut down on because he's top five now in terms of turnover worthy plays nationally. And that I was a problem. That was a problem with him going into the game. You wanted him to at least, if if it's going to be bad, at least protect the football. At least you know, don't take sacks, protect the football. Maybe you don't have guys open, but you don't have to, you know, compound that with more mistakes on your part. And Jordan Love did. You can, you can still see the special. He made a special throw outside the pocket. Had a couple nice deep balls in this one, but the turnover plays, the decision making that we've seen from Love this year. Is very worrisome. I, I don't, that's why he's not, you know, in the first round conversation for us where a lot of guys have him. It's just because he has made too many bad decisions. The
0: it ball. goes from Jordan love to see it to Jordan hate to see it. And that's where we got to kind of be with him. I want to go back to Joe Burrow, though. This is, you talk about Jeez. 80 plus passing grades. Uh, 80 plus passing grades so far this year in yeah. all those games. He's done it on NFL throws. He's one of the highest graded quarterbacks in college football on those throws of 10 plus air yards. He's fitting it into tight windows, logging those big time throws, and limiting mistakes. Joe Burrow, I mean, if you go back to the mock draft, it's why he's in Miami Dolphins right now, okay? He's suiting up, taking over this franchise with Jerry, Judy, in tow. He's going to light it up. I think Joe Burrow playing very well to start a rocket, an absolute rocket of draft boards yeah. right now. Let's go to rookies. That's going to do it for our um, prospect stuff, or we'll talk a little Chug the Prospect later. But, mm-hmm. our Chug, Chug, yeah, Chug the Prospect. Um, rolling Rooks, talking about some of our top rookie performances from the weekend. Got to start with Kyler Murray earned an elite 92-plus uh, overall grade in this one, lit up a bad Bengals defense, dropped them to 0-5, and, um, and what I really liked about this one is they got him running the football a little bit more. Yes. They did some design runs for him, and he looked really fast. Maybe the Bengals are bad and slow, but he looked very fast in that game. I think getting him involved like that, I think is going to gain confidence for him, and I think it's going to help him overall for sure.
1: Yeah, they involved him more in the actual quarterback-designed run, sort of, you know, he is a. It's not just a scramble. It is He is actually an option for the rushing attack, and I think that's how you're going to best utilize a talent like him. That's what we've said. The rushing threat of a quarterback does so much to opposing defenses that you have to use it. Now, with the Cardinals in their situation and Kyler Murray being in his first year and they're just not being a playoff sort of caliber team at this point, Mm -hmm. yes, you don't want to get him killed. You want to strike that balance of not getting him to take too many shots, But if you're using him as a drop back passer with that offensive line, uh, you might get him killed anyway with how bad they are. So I think there is a balance to be struck there. And I think this was a comfortable, this was a nice balance of using him in that running game. So, uh, this was kind of as advertised, what we had hoped to see when we had him as our you know number one quarterback coming out. this.
0: And year. he went into this game without an overall grade above 70.0 in any of the games he's played. Mm-hmm. A 90.4 overall grade for him here. 88.7 rushing. 83.6 passing. I think that's outstanding production for Kyler and a big confidence boost for him as they move forward through the schedule. Mm-hmm. No one's picking Arizona to go to the playoffs, really. No one's picking them to win the Super Bowl, but if you can start to see it, and I remember you talk about this too, from a rookie, when you can see it, see, hi, h- see him do it a couple games, mm-hmm. Well, even one or two games, because you talk about that Sam Darnold stretch last year. Down, you know, he was one of the highest graded quarterbacks late in the year. I think being able to see it as a rookie, him like things click for him is important. I think you started to see it with mm. Kyler Murray in this one. Let's go to Oakland. Josh Jacobs, PFF's high, you know, you know, highest ranked running back in the class is the highest graded rookie running back in the NFL right now. He earned a seventy-seven point seven overall grade for his efforts against Chicago. Had a nice leaping dive over the top behind Alec Eagold, another rookie uh, to to um, score there. I think he's a guy that is taking advantage of improved run blocking for the Oakland Raiders. I think they do look better. Richie Incognito is actually bullying some kids. I mean, mean, playing really well. (laughs) Um, Um... But yes, but he's playing well. And Josh Jacobs too. 23 force missed tackles so far. He's averaging 3.57 yards after contact per carry. He looks legit and nowhere and tear from Alabama. He was lightly used. Some people knocked that as a con. I'm saying, dude, it nice. I'm glad it's yeah. not Derrick Henry rolling in with like 500 carries. <laughs> you have Josh Jacobs playing really well for Oakland right now. Still, maybe not worth that first round pick. Just given where there's at, but again, you're, he's you're getting the most out of him, and he's playing at a high level.
1: Yeah, thirteen uh, broken tackles on the ground over the past two weeks. We had him as the number one running back on the board. Like we, the, I love the fact that he didn't get a lot of wear and tear on him. He was fantastic. Where they they used him a lot in short yardage. Uh, the thing I love though from this past week, three targets was his most of any game this year. Let's go, and he repays them with twenty yards receiving. <laughs> I mean, like that was yeah. He like utilized him in the past game. That was where he really separated himself in my mind from this pack and they
0: need to bump that even more we just watched Austin Eckler get 15 targets or 15 receptions (laughs) in a game I think not don't get it to that level but I think five six (laughs) five six target games make sense for Josh Jacobs Mm -hmm. because one he's an elite receiving talent we we said that before the draft two the Raiders don't have much else they played this game without Tyrell Williams without Dwayne Harris no JJ Nelson I'm not sure why they didn't get him more involved I think it would have made sense to get him even more than three targets but it was the winning formula they go they Mm go overseas and take that dub against Chicago let's move forward here Uh, another rolling rook Eric McCoy New Orleans Saints this is a guy that's played really well to start the season and and capping off another big game in week five
1: yeah 75.1 overall grade I mean anything even close to above average play and that's above average play Mm -hmm. along the offensive line as a rookie is fantastic you just don't see that it's so rare to see that and it's Funny looking through our grading, just looking at when we'll actually get to this later when we get to blackout performances. One of the things I'm just going to touch on is rookie offensive alignment. It is tough to play right away in the NFL along the offensive line. When you have a guy doing it like McCoy there for the Saints, that usually means you're probably onto something special.
0: Yeah, specifically looking at pass protection here, only four. Hurries allowed across 207 pass blocking snaps. That is fantastic. Let's go to a guy that is a rolling rook. This is not a blackout performance for Garrett Bradbury. He did not have a terrible game. He had a good game. Not great. (laughs) 71.4 pass blocking grade for Garrett Bradbury. And why that's significant? It doesn't sound crazy. It's a C in the normal grading Mm -hmm. system in class. He earned... I'll, I'll go through the weeks. Week one, zero pass-walking grade against Atlanta. Week two, 16.3 Green Bay. 51.9 against Oakland. 24.2 against Chicago. This is a bounce-back week for Garrett Bradbury, a 71.4 pass-walking grade. He needed this. I needed this. We needed this. We was, highlighted it, right? Yeah.
1: On the Thursday show, we said if he can't do it against Dexter Lawrence, if he get you know if he gets his butt handed zero to him again against allowed. a rookie, it's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. So zero pressure's allowed for him. Huge step forward. Uh, the light was going to flip on. The light should flip on at some point. At least flicker. He's not going to be the worst center in the NFL you know his entire career. Like there was still a reason he was drafted in the first round. Uh, but <laughs> I, I do think that very encouraging for Vikings fans uh, to see him actually start getting the game and job done. Like I said, if it didn't happen this past week, it would, could have gotten you know, all-time sort of ugly with this rookie year.
0: Only defender making the rolling rooks segment here, but for good reason. Yes. Nick Bosa. Literally put the Cleveland Browns offensive line on fire. He waved the Ohio State flag and planted it against Cleveland. He had an outstanding game. and it, I, I want to bring him up more from just, just this game. He earned a 90-plus pass session grade in this game. He made our team of the week, PFF's team of the week, that goes beyond rookies. But this guy has been Lights out to start. I don't care about the sack numbers. He added them in this past week. But even before that, he had a very high pass rush win rate. A little fun fact. Him and his brother, Joey Bosa, went into that game with the same pass rush win rate. Yeah. Both of those guys the are person. identical. They're yeah. the same person. He is having a very good start and coming off his best game as a young player right yeah, now.
1: Yeah, and he had a little ankle injury hampering him the first few weeks of and the he's season. he's still blown up to my But his worst game this season, he still had four pressures. 26 through four games already. That is ridiculous production. That's, if you can't do the math in your head, that's on pace for over a 100 this season. So, jeez. Bad.
0: You bring up that stat, and I'm, I'm diving into the data here to kind of check it out. His worst game, he has four pressures. Cleveland Farrell's best game, he has three. So, this is not a great start. Before. Not all top five picks are created equal. Not all top five create, um, are created equal. But that's going to do it for our rolling rook segment. Nick Bosa, I mean, absolutely lights out. Garrett Bradbury with the big bounce back week. Uh, let's go to blackout performances. Get a little bit darker, you know, a little bit more negative. I know it's been mm. too positive. I've been hammering Garrett Bradbury. <laughs> let's go blackout performances. Um, Mike, you want to start this one off?
1: I want to kick it off with just rookie offensive linemen in general. Not Garrett Bradbury. They, not <laughs> Garrett Bradbury though. But if you're starting a rookie offensive lineman, chances are it can get pretty ugly. And it mm-hmm. will get pretty ugly. This past week we had five excuse me, six different guys earn grades below fifty mm-hmm. along the offensive line. Mac Sharping of the Houston Texans, Nate Davis of the Tennessee Titans. Cody Ford of the Buffalo Bills, Caleb McGarry of the Atlanta Falcons, Ryan Bates of the Bills, and Wes Martin of the Washington Redskins. All those guys just took it on the chin. And its you don't blame them. Mm -hmm. You're just not ready when you come into the NFL. So anytime you you want to draft this offensive lineman – Think that's going to immediately turn around your program? Uh, a lot of times it doesn't. There's yeah. only a few guys that actually move that needle. Draft uh,
0: offensive linemen like the Eagles draft offensive linemen. Andre Dillard, first round, put him behind him Jason set. Peters. He played great in the preseason. Still put him behind Jason Peters. <laughs> let him learn the speed of the NFL. Let him get bigger, stronger, all that stuff. And then when you see in year two and year three, he plays well. I don't, you know, I think that's the way to go. I think with offensive, rookie offensive linemen, you have to set the bar low if you're going to start him out of the gate. Not <laughs> as low as maybe Garrett Bradbury's four game start, but still pretty low for what from uh, what we've seen um another you know not an offensive lineman but a rookie kind of had a blackout performance Keyshawn Johnson he, he came in you know they're without Christian Kirk maybe a guy who could step up two drops in this one that's always going to kind of drive down your grade and he's a guy that's been praised by the coaches he's playing more than Andy Isabella I mean mm-hmm. and Andy Isabella was drafting the second round but with Keyshawn Johnson two drops here not not something you like to see
1: yeah that's uh, I didn't love him coming out uh so, you know, I'm not going to like oh, say it's a great a thing to see. <laughs> But I'm just saying, like, uh, I, forcing him into early action, I did not think would be great for him. Andy Isabella only saw nine snaps in this one. I'm shedding a tear over my boy. Did he Andy even have a goal.
0: target? I think it was, it was a handoff that he was given. Mm-hmm. Oh, man.
1: Ugly. But yeah. all right, I have another blackout performance, and it is Quincy Wilson, the linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you want to go uh, Quincy Williams. Quincy Williams, Jesus. Yeah. Quincy, Quincy Williams, linebacker for Jacksonville Jaguars, go on Twitter. Search his name oh, uh, I think I've and seen Christian it. McCaffrey. <laughs> a, there's a highlight reel of him trying to tackle Christian McCaffrey, and it is absurd. He has he only we only charged him with four missed tackles on the day because some of them he was so far away from Christian McCaffrey that we couldn't even put, we couldn't even call it a tackle attempt. Jeez. He was just flopping all over himself, just a trying fish. to. But you're tra- you're starting a guy who played at Murray State last year and expecting him to tackle Christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. like just, he's he's not ready. He has yeah. not been ready. He has a 29.8 overall grade this season. Just don't throw him out there. They're yeah. throwing him to the wolves right now. Let's go to
0: another blackout performance for a rookie here, Mac Wilson of Cleveland Browns. He's a guy who had an insane preseason grade. He played well in coverage. Mm-hmm. These past few weeks, 41.3 overall grade against Baltimore, a 36.3 overall grade against San Francisco. No one played well against San Francisco, to be fair, but this is a guy that has not played well across a large sample size. He's playing over 60 snaps a game for this defense and really got bullied in the run game. He's earned sub 50.0 coverage grade so far this year. And I know you're a guy that's not super surprised. I mean this, you weren't a guy that 's super high on Matt yeah. Wilson, and, and I think his coverage grades in the preseason maybe fool's gold.
1: yeah he won the fifth, and that was kind of where I had him. but I will say this, you go up against the 49ers as a linebacker and Kyle shanahan you're getting that 's the hardest matchup you can face as a linebacker. they mm-hmm. throw so much shit at you from the running game perspective, uh, what from you know shifts using a fullback, just stuff you'll never see against any other offense. And when you're a rookie in the NFL, that had to be looking like things were coming, like everything was coming at you a mile a minute. So can't necessarily blame Mac Wilson. About as tough a s- assignment as you'll see all season long. But yeah, things did not go well for him today.
0: And I was talking about to, with Solly about this. Like, It's not like... Georgia or old Georgia Tech levels where you're playing against a wing team you've never seen it before. But, like, yeah. it's similar that the San Francisco 49ers offense, how often they use a fullback, this 21 personnel look, not any not a ton of 11 personnel, mm-hmm. kind of the most popular uh, personnel grouping in the NFL right now. It's different. And I think you're, the Browns defense isn't going to play another uh, offense that puts out like the San Francisco 49ers yeah. does. I think it's, uh, it's still surprising that they lost as bad as they did, some bad Baker Mayfield uh, turnovers. But, you're, like you said, I think for linebackers that are edging on 240 pounds – it's going to be a struggle to kinda of go against these big beef houses that are running right at you, use check, etc. I think it uh, again beef I think houses, you, underrated. Beef term. house. Yeah. I like beef house. Yeah. Like a stack of beef, you know, like as a beef steaks.
1: There was a restaurant by me where I grew up called the beef house, so mm. Well, I thought that, that was great. what your mom went by. <laughs> uh,
0: let's chug a prospect here. We're going to go to, I guess we could say, former West Virginia safety, yes, Kenny Nolan Robinson Fishly. Jr. This guy's story is insane, and you bring bringing him up at a good time because, and uh, let's just We're chugging him guy. because mm-hmm.
1: he's going to get drafted in the first week. round of yeah. the XFL of the XFL draft. <laughs> yes, that's when he's he is officially declared for the XFL draft. Fantastic. Yeah, um,
0: this is a guy that you liked though, a ton I did. he was in our preseason draft guide, twenty
1: first in our preseason mock draft because he is legit. Pro like this is yeah. legit. He, okay, so we're going to chug Kenny Robinson. Yeah. So let's go deep on Kenny Robinson. He was only a three-star recruit coming out of high school. Uh, But comes at to West Virginia, 6'2", 195 pounds, starts at cornerback first game as a true freshman, starts a few games at cornerback before they're like, hey, uh, this guy's a little too freewheely for us. They throw him into safety, moves to safety after a few games. And uh, in those final six games that he started at safety his freshman year, he earned 88.6 coverage grade on 397 snaps. Dude is a playmaker. On the back end, has some reads, has some, had probably two of the best hits I saw all of 2000, and I guess that was 2018 season from any safety. He just comes over, lays the boom, completely unafraid to put guys flat on their backs. Love to see a guy like that. And they weren't cheap shots either. He was putting them right in their stomach, but had some huge hits. But he is a freelancer on the back end that's his biggest sort of mishap he had a lot of times where he would abandon his own guy would come back in across him uh miss there but you he just made some plays that you just don't see you know again go back to the number of safeties that can make that play in college football him grant delpit might have been it just glides glides across i wrote here the back end of defenses smooth hips and long strides cover a lot of ground uh Experience playing corner, low strike zone on his hits over the middle, not going to draw any flags. His angles at deep safety are fantastic, knows where the ball is going to be, gets to the ball. A willing to play through blockers in the run game. Uh, I, I think there was a lot to like about his tape. A lot of bad, though, as well. A lot of bad also the fact that uh, he probably left, the reason he left West Virginia, not that it was ever actually publicized, was because uh, he was academically ineligible and wasn't going to be able to qualify really? anywhere else he went. So wow. uh, is the most likely the explanation that I've heard for why he had to leave. Uh, but yeah, so that sort of freewheeling nature on the back end with that is not necessarily a great combination But I think it'll be uh, fun to see how he fares in the XFL because you can't teach the high-end sort of traits that a guy like Kenny Robinson has. So if he can make some plays in the XFL talking about the NFL someday
0: early depoy favorite for the XFL I'd say mm. um and I'm picking the team here maybe I'm hoping he, maybe Memphis Maniacs see he seems like a maniac well, I like...
1: hopefully he's like close to us we go see him in person that'd be great oh
0: that'd be great you got Chicago Enforcers maybe the San Francisco Demons mm. I feel like well he'll find a he'll find a role in the XFL that's going to be exciting to see well that's going to be Kenny Robinson Jr and that's going to be the two for one drafts podcast remember you can see us live on YouTube Tuesdays and Thursdays and we're also uh, available on Spotify Apple Podcasts and Stitcher this has been Austin Gale and Mike of two for one drafts.